heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Hey, welcome aboard, my fellow Americans. Uh, Malcolm at eight. It is the voice of a nation here. I have felt right along. If you've listened to me in prior broadcasts and you're part of the listening audience, you know full well. I have read the riot act against the way we have handled this relationship in Russia. I'm talking about the political class, all of it. I'm talking left and right, uh, Democrats, Republicans alike. Uh, and the way we use these foreign adversaries to gain political power here in our country, I mean, it needs to be said. It, it ne- it's disgusting, it's vile, but it also needs to be said. Okay, All right, so let's, let's be clear. We understand the parameters of the game up front here, people, okay? When all this was transpiring, when Trump was in office and the whole Russia thing, we made such a mockery on it, and even before then, you know, when Hillary Clinton bought that reset button there, remember that? What a joke that was. What a laughing stock we look like. I mean, a bunch of buffoons. And it, we just have not played this relationship right with Russia. And I'm here to say to you today that had we done this differently, back through these these political people we're going to talk about here in the last few administrations, you know, we would be in a whole different position with Russia today. We should, they should be uh, more connected as an ally to world peace and the things we're doing. Uh, they're more of a Christian nation than many of these other nations are out there, frankly. Uh, the people, the Russian people I'm speaking about now, good people in d- indeed, in fact. Uh, but th- the political class here have made it a laughing stock. They've made it a mockery. Uh, this relationship, all for political gain is what it is, uh, to seek the power. And, you know, remember how wild the stories were that Trump was peeing on prostitutes in Moscow, the hotels there. You remember? I mean, the thing was crazy Uh, with the the steel dossier and all of that, which is uh, which is not where we're going today. But I'm just reminding you how insane this whole relationship has been. And we have pushed Russia further and further away. And we have pushed them into the arms of what I would say is a dejected lover, a Xi Jinping. Now, Putin and Xi Jinping, they don't have much in common, frankly. They're just, they're convenient right now. This is the way this works on the global stage. It's a relationship by convenience, uh, truly, strictly. It's all it is. Uh, they hate each other just as much as they always have. And frankly, they are, they'll find themselves very much on the opposite sides of all kinds of conversations and and even, you know, a lot of times these people get together to get to the other side of the hurdles and adversaries. Well, that's part of Sun Tzu's uh, strategy. In fact, your, your adversaries, you work with those adversaries and enemies many times to get to a, a different objective, an alternative. Uh, Sun Tzu, is, it's an incredible, you know, uh, point of reference to use that when you're dealing with the art of war, you know, really and truly. To think that the the leftists, the progressivism uh, power seekers, the Marxists, that uh, they decided to use Russia as basically their bitch is what they've done. They they used it in the most horrible way uh, to gain uh, political power, 
and to dump, uh, to bruise and bang up and in a severe way, the Trump administration. It was really all for domestic politics is all I'm saying to you. It was just domestic. It's all sport, you know. <laughs> you know, I often think about the way things are played today. You know, we have fallen far, far away from the innocent little things Richard Nixon did. <laughs> we have fallen far from those days of Watergate. You know, that's nothing that by today's standards. That's not even a pimple on the chart here. You see what I mean? You know, it, 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 really, though, it's it's a laughing stock. It's it's or it's really not a laughing stock. It's a, a terribly sad state of affairs. What what lies in the balance here is global stability. And it's global stability on one side of the conversation and a global calamity on the other to the likes of humankind has never seen. And this is the whole seriousness of a nuclear uh, an, an event that would surely outpace what had been done in Japan and Nagasaki. Uh, it would be totally, totally different than that moment in time. Keep in mind. Okay. Which is why you keep hearing references to world war three and things of that nature. And the whole idea of nuclear proliferation is that you were never going to use them. These uh, uh, weapons of Armageddon uh, stature, you know, that you would never use them. That was the whole essence of the whole thing. Then you ask yourself, well, why have those kinds of things to begin with if it's threatening mankind and humanity? <laughs> That's uh, it's always a question, isn't it, people? Uh, mostly because um, humankind is quite flawed, uh, frankly. And they don't always play the way they should be in these kinds of situations. I, I do believe that, tr truly. Uh, this um, this whole mutiny event, uh, supposedly quasi with the Wagner Group, uh, that has taken place just recently, uh, that you've, has got all your attention, of course, in uh, um, Russia. And, you know, if you listened on the weekend to Viewpoint, uh, I had Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer on there, and we talked about the potential that this might have been part of the strategy. Uh, Putin and uh, Prigozhin, who I'm speaking of there, who is the head of the Wagner Pala uh, paramilitary group, I'm speaking of friends. You know, could this have been part of the strategy, what took place there? I mean, we talked about it early on, and there's more speculation that it might be, it could be, because typically uh, Putin and the mercenaries there, uh, they don't, uh, you know, it ends usually with death. They don't usually give you a pass and go around the Monopoly board again to travel to another country and for a play to be named later. is not usually the case. It works in Russia. It usually ends with a, a bullet to the head, uh, frankly. Uh, so that was unusual to begin with, but maybe there's a lot more to that story. Just saying, just saying. You know, I talked about having an off-ramp. Is there an off-ramp for this? And and what do they do? This was early on now I'm talking, early, early on in the conflict, okay? When this thing just started to heat up. And because you knew it was going nowhere. Nothing good could come out of this. Nothing, nothing. And the whole NATO conversation, but even today, like, you know, I question then and I question today, why isn't it that we haven't got to uh, some sort of a conversation with these people? Why haven't we gotten to a, a, a point of reason? Um, back to there's no communication happening. In other words, Vladimir Putin. It's the same thing which just happened with China recently with Xi Jinping. Uh, and he, of course, Blinken went over there and uh, did what didn't do anything really. But, you know, he went over there in that sort of uh, same atmosphere kind of thing. That's what happens with these global adversaries is you take a big risk. Uh, you've got to keep communications open and you, you've got to keep them moving forward. 
Uh, we're not doing that with Putin. We, we should have had him at the table talking about all these things. A lot of this could have been avoided. Now, we're talking we're talking massive uh, situation here of death as well. You know, nobody's talking about that, really. Let me give you a few numbers here to have context here, OK? Just so we're talking about the same war and you understand, not to mention the treasure, the United States taxpayer treasure that's been invested in this hellhole that has now become Ukraine. Um, and it's sad. It's sadder than state. Yeah, I just see missiles, you know, bombing into restaurants. They're always doing this kind of thing and killing all kinds of people. It's just pretty routine. But here's some numbers for you to put this into context. OK, the U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency. These are numbers being reported in that Russia has suffered uh, somewhere between one hundred eighty nine thousand five hundred and two hundred and twenty three total casualties. OK. Uh, total casualties, including about uh, 40, roughly 40,000 killed in action and 154 to 180,000 wounded. Some pretty serious numbers, friends. But listen to this. As of early May, so this is just less than two months ago here. So it was reported that more than 100,000, 100,000 fighters, young young men uh, from the Kremlin's forces have been killed uh, or wounded uh, since December alone. This is this is what is estimated right now from the defense intelligence agency. It's just in the short period of time we're talking here. So all this outlines that Moscow, the, the massive losses they're having there. Not not to mention the military leaders and all of all these other things that are happening. But the losses are massive in size and scope. Uh, and to put that in context, the kind of numbers we're talking here. And, and, and let me give you the Ukraine now. Well, before I give you these and to put it in context, let me give you the Ukraine numbers. Ukraine has suffered a little bit less than that, uh, quite a bit less, actually, but uh, between 124 uh, and, uh, to 130,000 total casualties. They, they're they saying here, the Defense Department, between 15 and 17 killed in action. That's certainly less than what Russia has lost here. You see those numbers in comparison. OK. And 109 to 113 wounded in action. So in a total calamity here of this event, we're talking more than 350,000 young lives, young human lives, people. Again, Russian and Ukrainian. So this has been a bloody, evil, a Satanist war is what we're talking about. War is never pleasant, but this is this is an evil, evil fight here. Talking some pretty big numbers here. Now, back to putting that in context. To put all those numbers in context with you, what does that really mean, this conflict? Well, it's I could tell you this. It's the biggest event we've had since World War II. And looking at these numbers here, how about the fact that eh, about 4,500 American troops were killed in the uh, in complete invasion of Iraq, to put that in. Now, is that put in perspective for you, what I'm talking about here? That's some pretty serious numbers. You're talking about, you know, around 4,500 with all of that invasion of Iraq that took place, right? And look at these numbers here we're talking as well, over 350,000. And that number's even escalated since I'm giving you these numbers that are reported from the uh, Department of Defense Intelligence uh, here that I'm giving to you. Uh, this is, uh, these numbers about two months ago. So you can add all that to the till as well. And it just keeps going. So where's the off-ramp for this is what I'm asking now. Where's the off-ramp? Because Putin is in a no-win situation right now. He has a lot of egg on his face or or uh, whatever, you know. Um, I was going to say bear shit, you could say almost, or from being the Russian bear. But I don't know. He's he's being an, uh, humiliated, embarrassed, uh, not only around the world, but in his homeland. Uh, and then somebody like this, which we said early on, they'll do the unthinkable, 
and which we have an interesting talk about that today because there's an interesting gentleman, uh, Sergey Karaganov. Sergey Karaganov. Uh, he is a very interesting gentleman who wrote a um, uh, op-ed on this about nuclear weapons we're going to talk about today. It's a fascinating op-ed. Uh, and we have a follow-up to this on our platform from Dr. Stephen Latulip, who will be here as well on the broadcast with me, uh, which is a, a must-read uh, as well. It's really well done, by the way. Could Russia save humanity from a global catastrophe? It's a headline makes you think, doesn't it? Now, how could they do that? I'm going to ask that question to, uh, to Steve in just moments here. Uh, how that might be. And he'll pull in some of the pieces, I'm sure, of what Sergei uh, Karaganov has um, put into his piece. Um, so that's kind of where we're headed today. Um, talk a little bit about the strategy of Russia, the recent conflict here, and uh, flush out uh, all of the things. But I, I'm here to tell you today, friends, that this entire fiasco is the product of, of your political machine here in the United States of America. This was completely 100 million percent avoidable. Every bit of this, I'm telling you now, I absolutely know it was all avoidable. Uh, and you're just not dealing with leaders that have a calm hand like a Ronald Reagan or Mikhail Gorbachev. You know, don't have that sort of people at the helm here or Margaret Thatcher, for that matter. Uh, you don't have those people at the helm here anymore. You know, it doesn't exist. Boy, could the world use that kind of leadership right now. I think about that often, by the way. I think about, I really do. I think about Reagan often. He changed the world single-handedly. Not quite. He had some people I just said to you, uh, Thatcher. And it was really a, a fabulous relationship you had there with Mikhail Gorbachev and um, um, and uh, Margaret Thatcher. And even Pope John Paul was in that mix a bit there. And uh, But th they changed the world, really. Um, Thatcher, uh, Gorbachev, and Reagan, big time. Change the world. Just what bring, you know, that cold, cold war, Germany, you know, the Berlin Wall, you know, all you can hear the voice in your mind like it was yesterday, can't you? You know, and here we are today. And we just don't have that kind of leadership at the world level at the at this, uh, you know, important moment of time here, friends. It's, uh, it's a real problem. Uh, listen, let me um, tell you uh, some uh, interest in programming uh, coming up next week. Uh, I tell you, I am really excited about some interesting things we're going to be doing at America Out Loud. I want to tell you, first of all, some really fascinating things. Uh, but we're coming now, as I talk to you here today, um, our Independence Day, uh, 247 years, friend. I can tell you that just uh, because it's, it's a fact. Uh, 247 years here. Uh, 2023, we are three years away from our semi-quincentennial, <laughs> three years away. And I, you know, I get goosebumps talking about this, frankly, you know, I remember as a young lad, the bicentennial, 1976, not dating myself now, but I do recall that. As a, again, I was a young, young lad, just in diapers, you know, but anyways, young guy. And, uh, but I remember the patriotism. I remember the feel in our nation. And I just, it stuck with me always through my life, you know, always this beautiful country that we love, you know. And I look at this now and I've been thinking a lot, a lot in the past couple of years, actually. And I've been talking to you about it along the way a little bit here, but I'll be talking a lot more about it just ahead here. Uh, the semi-quincentennial is a very interesting moment in our nation. And just before that is going to be the 2024 election, which will take power in 2025, by the way. We're in for some interesting moments in our nation. We're in for some interesting moments in the world. I can promise you that. 
we're at a, a real moment of humanity. I can feel it in every aspect of my being. We're going to know a lot more by the time we get to 2025 and 2026, what happened and where we're at. Clearly, we'll know a lot more. But right now, there are a lot of uncertainties. The program of next week, we're going to talk about a lot of things and mostly about empowering we the people. I want to talk to you more about we the people. It's a we the people next week. We the people because it is our Independence Day. And all next week, I'm going to be talking we the people. I'm going to be talking uh, position in our network, in our country for the semi-quincentennial. We'll be talking about all of that. And um, and we're going to talk about some interesting, and there's some interesting reads on the platform that I do want you to go read on the left sidebar where it says talk radio talk. Now, when I say left sidebar, it means you got to go to your desktop or laptop, not the mobile phone to see the left sidebar. If you're on a mobile phone, it's down way lower below all the current posts. Okay. All right. So it'd be at the bottom of the mobile app, uh, mobile phone, you know, but if you're, so left sidebar on a desktop or laptop. And you'll see there's, uh, you'll see Dr. LaTulip's there, uh, Steve's is there, could Russia save humanity from a global catastrophe? By the way, uh, he'll be on moments as I say with you. Dr. Steve LaTulip, I got to tell you, people out there, he's doing his best work right now with America Out Loud, by, by, by far, no question about it. He's done a lot of things in his life, he's a hero, one, certainly one of my heroes. And I've got a few of them here that, uh, that are really amazing on this network. And, but, um, but he's doing his best work right now. His absolute best work, I believe, uh, that I've known him in, in his lifetime. And I think it's a big, big lift right now. And as part of our network, I couldn't be prouder, you know. Uh, the other one just below that, another man who I have great respect for and great pride, Wallace Garneau, just a, just an amazing uh, man and been real thrilled for me to have him part of this network and platform. He's got a really interesting piece here again. The Second Amendment is the elephant in the room, Okay. Uh, so that's a, um, you know, I, I was just thinking here a moment, I got to share with you. I was almost thinking a companion piece to that, you know, uh, the, uh, such and such is the jackass in the room and talk about whatever the strategy is for the left, you know, with the donkey would make sense. That would be a great, uh, that would be a great pair, you know, of articles there might, somebody might want to do that. Um, the, uh, the woke, the woke, wokeism or the woke disease is the jackass in the room. Maybe that's that piece. I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Just saying. Just saying. There's another piece below that, a man that one of the hardest working guys I know, and uh, just a joy to have him on America Out Loud. Paul Engel, our constitutional scholar, uh, would a convention of states fix the republic or not? Yeah, he puts it right out there, right? And uh, so that's a great piece as well. Those are all must, must, must reads. And even more than that, they're must, must, must shares. Please share those pieces. Please, I beg of you to share them all over the world. Get them out there. Put your own message on it, your stamp, but take a look and share them. Next week, we're going to be having a lot of these people on the platform all week long on these on this show. It is must listen. You've got to get out and get everybody to tune in. It's We the People Week next week. We the people all week long on the voice of a nation. I'm telling you. Okay. Uh, and so, and you're going to be hearing Paul Engel. You'll be hearing Wallace Garneau. You'll be hearing Dr. Steve Lutzilla. You'll be hearing a whole lot of other surprise people we'll be having on during the week. And we're going to slay this thing and have some really great conversation and look at taking back America, friends. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Stay right there now, friends. We'll join you just on the other side. You're listening to the voice of a nation. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. 
you'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Out loud. And we join you back here, my fellow Americans. Thank you for joining with me always. I always appreciate your time and respect, and, and thank you for being on the mission here. Uh, the mission to save our great country, uh, the mission for liberty and justice for all. And it surely is a mission where we deliver the out loud truth. Uh, we're talking a little bit of Russia today in a big way here, and we're going to turn the heat up just a little bit here and talk about some of this, uh, this uh, potential of uh, a nuclear activity. Let me just get right to the juggler now and bring um, Dr. Steve Latulips on with me. He'll be on with the rest of the whole broadcast here with me here. So we'll have an open mic and, and just kind of uh, have some real conversation with you here. Um, this uh, fascinating piece stopped both you and I, uh, Steve, in our tracks uh, from Sergey Karaganov there. Uh, it was a really interesting piece. And you followed it up with a complimentary, strong piece, which uh, draws out uh, the conversation even more. Um, you know, I gave some death counts up front and talked about the suffering in this war and the fact that Putin is in a corner. He's a wounded animal, basically. And I've said it from the get-go. So when this thing first launched, you've got to have an off-ramp for somebody like this. You've got to have world leaders get together, calm the situation down, and be the voice of reason, the voice of humanity, the voice of people, the voice of life versus death. I mean, that's what it takes to be a real leader. In, in history here today. So right now, Sergey brings up some interesting points here. Tell folks, what was the crux of his piece that really spoke to you? And, what, and what's the message? And we'll dive into that. But what's the message he was given as well? Uh, Malcolm, let me tell you this. Sergey really surprised me because uh, the crux of his statement is that, look, we're in a fix. We're in a bind and we don't see a light at the end of this tunnel. I think that's what the Russians are feeling right now. And of course, throughout their history, they are no strangers to suffering from war. And um, I think that uh, they have the insight enough to say, OK, let's be realistic about this and, and logical. Let's think it through. What might we do to put an end to this here and now so that we don't suffer as we have in the past? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you, you feel Russia wants to end this, don't you? Uh, I really do. I mean, Russia, what I really appreciate about the Russians, um, you know, they've always been our sworn enemies. And as you said, the, the Russians uh, are, are definitely more Christian um, in many of their principles. I mean, they have common sense. They You can communicate with them and have a conversation. Whereas uh, considering like the likes of uh, Xi Jinping, uh, I wouldn't know where I'd be going with that guy. I don't trust him. I, he's not transparent. 
Um, there was a reason why Putin and President Trump got along. I mean, they respected each other, even if they were enemies. They well, they might have got along, with- Steve, but you'll have to admit something here. Uh, Trump never had a chance to further that relationship because the political class here in D.C. cut him right off at the knees from day one. Exactly right. And that's and all we're seeing right now is an extension of that. We've got a bunch of fools ruling our country. Uh, They are not serving the people. And we are suffering the wrath of that right now. And that wrath has only just begun. That's what concerns me. Yeah. Yeah. Sergi talked about the potential of using nuclear weapons. What did he say? Well, he basically said, you know, we need to rethink our cold doctrine thinking uh, because, you know, we talk the Russians down. We're saying, look, mutually assured destruction is not going to benefit, obviously, either country. So let's knock it off. Let's dismantle our weapons. Let's reduce our numbers. And both sides actually did. Um, But right now they're rethinking it, saying, wait a minute, the, the writing's on the wall here. There is no way. The United States is going to back down from funding this ridiculous, in in the common sense man's mind, ridiculous war in Ukraine. There is a purpose to the Ukraine war. It is a chess game. It is primarily, in my opinion, between uh, China and the United States. Russia is now the punching bag, and they see that. And Russia sees how China is playing them, using using Russia as their kind of backdoor hammer so that they can gain more leverage to pursue their um, their their economic pursuits to, to win uh, other countries for support. Well, it's what I said up front. They're playing Sun Tzu strategy totally, both of them. Exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they can't stand each other, uh, but it's a convenient relationship at the moment. So they're they're playing it out here. Um, but with Russia, um, uh, it's. Um, I mean, it's serious business right now with this nuclear. So what he's talking about is using them strategically, right, Sergi? He is. Uh, Sergi says that, you know, maybe we ought to reconsider. Now, he's the chairman, the head guy of the big Moscow think tank that is uh, is deciding, you know, how ought we to respond in this highly volatile global uh, network that we are, are now being uh, victimized in? We, we are... You know, we're not in full control. So I think Russia is playing their cards as best they can. And they're discussing how ought we to proceed in this game that is, of course, extremely dangerous. Uh, you know, the likelihood of another nuclear yeah. uh, war uh, or conflict is real. All of a sudden, it's back on the It's table. back, that's right, from the days when we were, but, uh, people were nuclear thinking and under desk and things like that, whatever they were, it was strange. So remember all those drills back in the day, Steve, you know? Oh, yeah, the ridiculous drills of going under the desk and things what like that. What the hell that. is that and really going to do for you? I don't even know. You know. Right. And even I mean, even the drills that we played in in the military, I mean, I was in the good old SAC day strategic uh, air command yeah. and we were out there um, ready to launch our tankers supporting the nukes going to wherever they were going. We all had our assignments. And uh, if the the klaxon went off and it was the real thing, we decoded the message. Off we go. And, right. uh, right. you know, bye bye, America. We weren't coming back and we knew it. Right. That's right. Now, this uh, Sergey, he is a uh, he was an advisor to both uh, uh, Boris Yeltsin when when that was uh, uh, when he was there and uh, Vladimir Putin. So he and he's head of the uh, Council on Foreign and Defense Policy. So this guy knows what he's talking about. 
He does. And um, and I like him. He's a deep, he's a deep thinker. And I firmly believe he's thinking along the exact lines as we were thinking in World War Two. How are we going to end this war, put an end to all the suffering, all the loss of lives that you just eloquently talked about with those numbers? He said, look, maybe there is a place for nuclear attacks. And just as we did with Hiroshima and Nagasaki, yeah, yeah. I mean, we did that to supposedly end the war. Yeah. And perhaps Suji is thinking, well, if they did it and it did put an end to things, maybe this is a way out for Russia. And it makes sense logically if you put yourself in their shoes. Right, right. But let me ask you, you know, when 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 our country did it, uh, it was, I mean, it obviously it was, <laughs> to say the least, it was controversial. And a lot of people even today still can't get over that the mighty... Um, uh, you know, United States Christian nation that it is use these weapons uh, of mass destruction against, um, uh, as you say, Nagasaki and Hiroshima, they are uh, both and uh, changed the history of life of, on Earth and potentially, as you say, might have saved uh, who many, how many more, we don't know. They don't, when you hear that today, though, and they talk about the pinpointing or strategic nature of nuclear weapons right now with this war, though, Steve, Everybody doesn't see the same similarities. They don't want to see the same similarities. They they look at it as a deficit, the fact that would Russia even consider such a thing. Yet we did the same darn thing here. Why can't they see that? What what is what is the what they just don't want to see it, you think? Well, you know, Malcolm, I think there's two schools here. There's the, there's the older and younger generations here at play, and the younger generation, as Suji points out, that they, they have forgotten what it would be like to ponder a nuclear holocaust. I mean, if you read the, the books of what happened in those uh, those cities of Japan, I mean, it was devastating and there was nuclear fallout, radiation galore that, that lingered for a long period of time. The survivors suffered horribly, the burns of radiation. I mean, so painful. It was brutality at its worst, man's worst a job that we can do on our and, and Steve, we did it though. We did it. This country did it. I didn't do it. You didn't do it. But this country made that decision. So, but but why did they do it? I'm just trying to drill down here. They did it because why, Steve? Right. Well, because uh, somebody in, in the powers that be believed that it was the expedient thing to do. It was the lesser right. of two evils. That you, they actually thought they would save people, is what they said. Do, they do you, did. They right. exactly you, right. You subscribe to that. Um, I, I think that there is definitely um, some logic to that. Yes, I think that it, it definitely put an end to more death and destruction uh, across the country. I mean, in a, in a world war, there was going to be a lot of suffering. But, but it did put an end to it. But they don't want to see that now. Now, hold on a moment. Let's let's. This is good. We, they don't want to see that now. Uh, and they speak about Russia in such uh, horrible terms that they would even consider the thought. I mean, I've seen reports on this where they said, well, they might pinpoint to do exactly what Sergei says they might do. And, you know, they're like, well, that would make them really evil. But we did the same thing here, but they don't want to consider that. So but what they really want. And this is what I don't. This is where the rubber meets the road now, Stephen. I, it's hard to really understand this. But when you look at the battle, the uh, the art of war, more or less. So what do they really want? Well, okay, Ukraine to win. Well, how is Ukraine going to win? Ukraine cannot win this. Here, now here's me talking. You you tell me back. You disagree? Agree? I don't know. But 
Ukraine cannot win this war. They're not going to be able to win this war. They don't have the nuclear arsenal, the, those weapons of mass destruction. The, and Russia at that moment will use them. If they're down and out and on their last bullet, whatever, they're going to use them. I mean, because that's what they're there for at that point is their self-salvation. No matter what, they're not going to sit and do an inventory. I don't see them doing an inventory. Maybe you disagree and say, well, no. I'm worried about the United States. I'm worried about Ukraine. I'm worried about Hawaii. I'm worried about humanity. I'm worried about Japan. They're not going to think that way. They're not going to think that. No, way. I agree with you. I agree with that point. But I go beyond what you said. It's okay. not that Ukraine cannot end the war. Ukraine cannot win this war. What The truth is that the United States and those involved that are funding this um this war, and, and including NATO, I think that they want a protracted Ukraine war. They don't want this war to, to end. Therefore, they will not allow it to end. But you're playing they, with fire if, with Russia and Putin. And, and you're playing with fire. And right now, Russia is hurting on all kinds economically. Their their entire system is crumbling. And look oh, at all the young squeezed. men they've lost. It's exactly. They have been squeezed economically, yeah. politically. Yeah. They have been squeezed with the loss of many, many human lives. Good people, you know, yeah. people yeah. that wanted to live Sad. their lives. As These well. are sons, and, and by the way, sons in, in, of, of young families, you know that. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and it's very, it's disgusting. It's, and and yeah. when you think of the fact that the Russians, I mean, what? What are we talking about right now as we see China wanting to build in Cuba? They want to put their weapons right in our back door. How do we feel about that? And all Russia wanted is a buffer zone uh, so that they would not feel constantly encroached upon, threatened by the Western countries. But because there was real talk at that point about bringing them into NATO. And do you see that Biden is back talking about it again? Do you see that? Yes. And look at all of the, of course, yeah. the countries that did uh, right. become part of NATO uh, after the Cold War ended. I mean, that itself was a threat to Putin. Yeah. But but they're now I see the conversation bubbling up again. You're right. But here here's the thing that I find very odd as well about this whole thing is that when this whole war started, do you remember how. Uh, Steve, everybody was tiptoeing around and the administration was, ever, was like, oh, my, oh my God, we, we cannot get NATO anywhere near this. Well, what happens if one of those go off kilter and end up in Poland somewhere? What happens if such and such happens and goes here? And well, we can't do that. we got to keep NATO removed, uh, twice over removed from the point of contact here. And we can't. And, and they were very cautious about arming them. They were very cautious about all of this. There was no talk about NATO. They weren't rubbing salt in the wound. They weren't pushing against Russia and Putin. Now, what I've noticed is all that has changed. Every bit of that conversation has changed now, Steve. Now they're aggressive. NATO is definitely involved in the soup. They've got their hands on all kinds of stuff and all kinds of things. And any one of these things could go awry at any moment. And some already have. It's a whole different game. Now the president's out there talking freely about, yeah, we they, we could bring him in part of NATO. This is where Rubin Russia's face in the entire operation. Why wouldn't Russia use nuclear weapons right now is my question. Why wouldn't they? Well, they're showing that they have the will to use it. And yes, the question to ask is, well, yes, we saw what changed, uh, but why did it change? And when yeah, why, did it, why do you think it changed? Why? Well, uh, well why does, what does Karaganov say? He says, look, we know that in the world's view, America 
is a pathetic little country right now ruled by idiots. And, and, you know, it's definitely a puppet regime. We know Biden's not in charge. We still haven't answered who really is in charge. Who is the chief puppeteer? We suspect maybe it's Obama. You know, how much is the FBI, CIA involved? And then the foreign uh, moguls who are involved in this, um, you, you know, we really still don't know. But we do know that America has become a despised, pathetic nation, just as Kraganov says. And he says, look, this is why they are escalating as they are. They're, they're trying to flex their muscle, almost bluffing, trying to bluff us. And I think the Russians now are calling our bluff and saying, you're not as big and great as you think you were. Hmm. Well, he does point out, Sergey, he says America is a failing empire due to and he says due to human ideologies uh, and going further, I guess uh, what I assume this means, uh, Steve, is denial of family, homeland. Uh, well, look at the history. They pull the statues down. Everything's I mean, everything's tipped upside down backwards. There is no more morality. Faith has been cursed upon and crushed. Um, that's all a fact, isn't it? <laughs> that that's the sad truth of the matter, uh, Malcolm. Yeah. Everything that he says is absolutely true. I am in full agreement with yeah. these Russians because they simply speak the truth. And I maintain forever that all truth belongs to God. You can't deny the truth. Yeah, I love the way you think, man. Uh, so um, he says the Western elites have lost their barons and lead their countries to the slaughter. Right. Those are his words. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. People have forgotten what out. you. Yeah. People have forgotten the horrors of war. What you said. You know. Exactly right. And Sergi, he sees what's going on, and he he says anger and despair are going to continue to grow in waves and waves. And is that not what's happening right now? I mean, that's what I see taking place. Oh no! Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. People yeah. are very much in despair. I talked to people today who are in despair. People believe it. I'm talking real people out here. Uh, they they totally know the country is failing. Some people are talking about another country. I've seen it today. It just happened to me. I'm very serious in conversation today. Just uh, I hear this, but it just happened to me today. People were talking about maybe moving to Greece, uh, where they have family connections and some other things, or back to Europe or some other point or what have you, and thinking that it might be a better place. And they just feel America slipping and slipping away. And these are really hardworking people that make up the nucleus of what an American is, I'm speaking about, Steve. That's right. Malcolm, I'm experiencing the same thing. In fact, I have um, family members and, and friends who have already purchased property in other places saying, you know, when it all goes to hell and it's not going to be long, we're out of here. Now, I think that's kind of a, a defeatist attitude. I guess I'm a, a a thorough patriot and i think well when your country needs you most right. uh you're gonna bolt and, and i don't uh, resonate well with that but at the same time i understand what they're saying it's like there's no other place to go and how can we defend a homeland that is against its own people it's you know it's not it will never have the 1776 scenario the only thing we might still have is somewhat of a 1776 spirit that maybe could take this country back but how do we do it? That's well, the big question. Well, you know, the juxtaposition you just put out there, that 1776 spirit 
uh, the framers, the founders, the uniqueness of this American experiment, our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, this amazing, beautiful country that God has gifted us. And, you, you know, as I say all the time, if you're born in America here and you're lucky that way, you've won the lottery of life already, no matter what you decide to do with it. Uh, you've been blessed. You've been blessed. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the way that is, really and truly. Um, you know, um, this uh, 1776 spirit you just talked about, I just want to mention something, Steve, to you there. It just came to me here. You know, and I love your position of, well, no, we're not going to cut and run. We're going to sit and stand and fight tall uh, for this nation. That's called we the people. What did I say about next week? We the people. I, I could, you know, it's funny as I was telling the listeners that you didn't know I was saying that I could just hear you on the other side, loving those words. I just know you enough <laughs> to know. You. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just know you enough to know you. And I thought Steve's going to love this when I tell him we're having a, we the people week, and we're going to take this back in that way. But you know, I got thinking more just a moment ago when you talked about that 1776 spirits and I started thinking about, you know, okay, so what have we got to do to get there? And we're going to have some of those heavy conversations next week and some of the heavy lifting. I love what you say there when you say, you know, we're not going to cut and run. And I know you enough to know that about you. It's uh, certainly appreciate that. Um, I mean, we have an obligation to fight for this amazing country uh, and this 1776 spirit you just put out there uh, very eloquently. and But I do believe, whatever it is, Steve, whatever we're going to cross as we cross these Rubicons ahead, whatever they may be, uh, there's got to be a moment in 2025. That's my, that's my, in my radar now, that's the parameters of my mind, what it tells me, that we're going to be somewhere. And that somewhere is going to be a moment at the semi-quincentennial yeah. I look forward to it. Yeah. Um, you, you know, it's a, it, it makes us think again of the American dream, doesn't it, Malcolm? Um, you know, what is America all about? What have we always, always been been about? And um, we have to restore that. We somehow have to restore that. Yeah, we, we do have to restore it. And we're working on it right now uh, with all the things that we're uh, suggesting our friends, I want to tell you about this new uh, part of the platform uh, that uh, we uh, totally um, excited about. Excited about, you'll see the new uh, ads up on the AmericaOutloud.com website, but it's AmericaOutloud.shop. And these are all the products and things that we've, we've worked for, we've negotiated, and we fight for to help you out uh, to, to live a more quality-driven life. I, lo I love these kinds of products and things because they... They they help us. They bring out the best of us, all of us. Uh, these are all discounted, these products on that page uh, that you'll find at AmericaOutloud.shop. What will happen is there's some specials up there, uh, some special incentives you'll find every couple of weeks. These will be changing. Right now, you'll see on there Oxy Powder, uh, the leader in uh, oxygen intestinal cleansing. This is amazing stuff. It's their number one selling product at Global Healing. Global Healing is an amazing company. And friends, uh, um, intestinal problems are something a lot of us deal with. I've had my problems with it, to be sure. Uh, and you've got to stay healthy. Uh, that that's You've got all kinds of problems that come from that. This product, the, this uh, uh, this Oxy Powder, is, is it's an amazing product. And it'll give you that it will clean those intestinal systems out for you in ways that no other product that I've seen can do it. I, I take it. I've used this and it's quite something. Um, so take a look at this. You get 15% off by using the code out loud. You'll see the big, large banner ad right there at AmericaOutloud.shop. Uh, please check that out. The other one I got to tell you, and you hear in Dr. McCullough and I talk about it uh, with the nanokinase and the root dandelion and all the amazing ingredients in this product uh, is spike support. 
spike support. And uh, this is from the wellness company and you get 25% off that by using out loud. They're having some real success with the netokinase and this combination of products in the spike support has been very, very um, remarkable. The success they have or have coming from it. You'll see the ad on the page to get back to that pre COVID feeling. And this is for vaccine injury and long COVID and all of the stuff that's come out of that chapter. It's horrible. Um, and so I, we've got to fix ourselves there. AmericaOutloud.shop is where you get those discounts. And so visit there and uh, feel good. And uh, let's get the word out there that there is hope for everybody here. I'll take a real quick pause and we'll join you just on the other side. We'll bring this all to a big conclusion here. You're listening to The Voice of a Nation. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative think. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, keep your face always toward the sunshine and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code out loud at cofixrx.com. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. We join you back here, friends. This is Malcolm Out Loud here on The Voice of a Nation. Malcolm and eight. And you catch this weekdays, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, just remember, 8, uh, be with us or be square, they say, right? Uh, and if you miss it by chance because you have some exciting plans that evening, I understand life goes on. Uh, but uh, you'll catch it on podcast as well. The next morning, there's a brief encore at 8, uh, 8, 8 a.m. I will give you that secret. Not everybody knows that because we don't promote it heavy. And I don't want to. I want the 8 p.m. to be the uh, the landmark point of this show. Uh, but the shows all go to podcasts. Get them on all the podcast networks worldwide. Uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart, hundreds and hundreds of networks, friends. Uh, all of our shows go to podcasts. That's the way to do that there. Of course, everything's back at uh, americaroutloud.com. Home of the free because of the brave. Uh, it's up there right now at the top there. I love that symbol. I love that message uh, and uh, what that stands for. Uh, Dr. Steve Rotulip is here with me, and we're talking through some of the Russia stuff. Uh, we're talking about this um, 
Interesting piece. Now, Steve, you took the piece further. You took the piece further now. And maybe I want you to shed a little light on that for this piece you have here. Uh, Could Russia save humanity from a global uh, catastrophe is what you and I had said on this piece here. What's the takeaway from your piece that people should go read this? What's the takeaway of it? Well, the important thing that we absolutely must understand, Malcolm, is that the Russians are now believing that they almost have a spiritual calling from God to awaken the rest of the world, in a sense, uh, spiritually, that, you know, hell really does exist, and it could come in the form of nuclear weapons. And so Sergei is saying, maybe we need to remind the world that there really is a hell. Now, that's kind of where I think he, he goes off a little bit, and he then really exposes a a very naive side of himself. But he specifically said the enemy must know that we are ready to launch a preemptive retaliatory strike. And he is talking about a nuclear attack in Europe. So we need to take that seriously. Yeah, he says, he says, listen to the statement, Steve, back to your point here. The almighty, the almighty gave us the weapons of Armageddon to show those who have lost their fear of hell that it existed. There's some strong words, buddy. That's a quote. Just amazing that he would say that and believe it. But who knows? You know, did we think that same way? Our leaders, at least mm-hmm. in World War II? Um, it's really hard to say. But well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this as a military guy yourself. Um, yes. If this thing is, uh, let's say they do exactly what Sergei says. And again, he could be in cahoots right now with Putin doing some, uh, they got some bait on the line. They're doing some fishing. Uh, this whole thing with the, the the Wagner group, the paramilitary and all of that, it's all possible, Wh- whatever we may know, we may not know. How do we respond here in this country here? What what do you think happens? Do, do you do we and I think Sergi kind of points at that a little bit. Do we lay down and just like when we did this back then or do we do we what do we? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you have to first define the we because we, the people, are incapacitated right now. I mean, we have. Well, we as the West, the United States first, and then the West next. So yeah, okay. So uh, I think what Sergey is is thinking that if he does, uh, if Russia launches a retaliatory uh, nuclear strike, then he's going to call off the dogs and going to say, "Look, we're serious about it," and and he thinks we're going to just cower and back up and say, whoa, it's not worth it. Okay, we're not going to launch an attack against Russia because they struck some city in Ukraine or elsewhere in Europe. Uh, They think that, so in a sense, they're calling our bluff. But uh, worse than that, and this is where Karaganov's logic, in my opinion, breaks down severely. He says, and and this is a quote, "If, if only if there is a madman in the White House who also hates his country, will the U.S. decide to strike in defense of the Europeans and invite retaliation by sacrificing a hypothetical Boston for a notional Poznan? Okay, good point. Uh, but Karaganov, let me open your eyes. We already have a madman in the White House. He right. already does exist. Right. That's what you're, That's you're that's saying the, in your piece, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You're pointing out that there is one there because uh, Sergey points about that. He says, uh, it, unless you have a madman in the White House, well, we have a mad group because we know it's not uh, Joe Biden himself. Clearly, there's some strange people in there uh, and some Marxism 101 for sure, Steve, you know. 
you know. Right. right. And, and, you know, they, they've proven that they're ready to go forward with this. I mean, their largest nuclear sub has departed its Arctic base already. The K-329 uh, uh, Belgorod is gone. It is accompanied by uh, another vessel, a Poseidon Intercontinental intercontinental torpedo vessel and so they're going somewhere we don't know exactly where and is this just a scare tactic is it a show of force well we don't know but what they're saying is look we're through playing games we know where this is going we don't like we are we are being positioned and squeezed so we're willing to put an end to it and i where, think where does that, the, where, where, when do those vessels leave any idea around about time uh that was um okay. Oh, I think approximately a week ago, I'm guessing. So um, while all this Wagner stuff was going on, it was happening? Right. And, uh, you know, where are they going? We don't know. But we do know this, that for them to pull a move like that and to make the words that they're they're saying stick, this at, at the very least does imply a nuclear escalation. In other words, we are just that much closer to a third world war. And that should be concerning. Well, again, either a third world war or a, or a pinprick, right? Or a pinprick depends on how we respond. Uh, But what I would suggest is that this is not uh, a response to the Wagner group uprising at all. I believe that Russia is fed up with the pathetic, corrupt, perverse Western hemisphere that is, you know, it opposes everything uh, from that Russia stands for in a righteous way. It's almost like a reversal of roles here. I always thought the Russians were the lawless ones, uh, but not anymore when we're talking about our leadership. Wow, man, you really have put it out there, buddy. Wow, wow. I mean, what you say there is pretty dramatic itself, you know, calling out. I call the, it uh, as I see it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I have to agree with that. And, you know, this uh, this Prigozhin uh, who led the Wagner group, um, he's got, you know, he's had a lot of close ties with Putin for a long time. And here he now comes, you know, within 200 kilometers of Moscow and then turns around. It's 124 miles. You know, what are they really up to? It's hard to say. But he is also the founder of the Internet Research Agency that interfered in our 2016 elections for real and um, in the presidential election uh, with uh, President Trump. So and he's also he was I believe he was placed on the FBI most wanted list in 2021. So the guy appears to be possibly in reality a, a Putin loyalist to the core. Right. So right. we'll have to see how this plays out, to, you know, to see what's really happening. Yeah, what an interesting backdrop. This was his chef. This was a Putin chef, you know. Yes. Uh, it's amazing. Prigozhin, I'm speaking about Prigozhin. Uh, he was a chef. Uh, he was, he became a, uh, I mean, he looks like a tough dude looking at him. I mean, he looks like a tough dude. But He's uh, not a marshal. Yeah, no, no. And he was, he's really, uh, they, he became a really trusted confidant to Putin. Uh, and of course, they've got them strategically doing the stuff uh, that the Russian constitution forbids, uh, being the, uh, the mercenary stuff around the world, Steve, you know, right? Right. Basically. Right. And, and they're in Ukraine for sure. In fact, there was a talk, a lot of talk at one point I brought up the other day with, uh, Tony Schaefer that, uh, they were looking to take Zelensky out with that Wagner group, the same cats, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. So which way is it going to go? It remains to be seen. But we do know this. We know that Russia wants to put an end to Ukraine, to the war. 
They they want their yeah. protection. They don't want to deplete their resources, their lives, their funds, everything. You know, they've uh, got right. everything to lose from this. Yeah. Well, I, so we gave you something to think about uh, today, friends. So you gave you something to think about with the Russia. And mostly, I hope you're more informed about some of the nuances here going on, because we really did talk about multiple nuances here that a lot of people are not talking about. And we also did what Steve says that we call the balls and strikes. Uh, if you like it, great. And if you don't, well, I, you know, it can't help you. Uh, it is what it is. The, uh, the truth is the truth, the outlaw truth. Um, we, we surely have some uh, fence cementing to do here back at home. And uh, we can't run around thinking that uh, the United States is above some of this stuff when we're doing some of the most egregious evil things in our nation. Who can say today that they're really proud of our country? They're proud of our leaders. Who can actually say that this moment, really? And, and I'm talking about over the last many, many, many years I'm speaking about. I'm, I'm talking about right this moment. I mean, it's bad enough as it is. But I'm talking about all the way back through. I'm talking about Bush, Clinton, Bush, Obama, uh, and this uh, current dude, uh, Biden Cabal. Uh, they'll have to rename his presidency the Biden Cabal. It won't be Joe Biden, but the Biden Cabal, you know, that's run that. I mean, mm -hmm. who can really say, oh, man, they've done a remarkable job and we've got like the greatest. You can't. Like I said, it's a vacuum of leadership in our country from number 40, Ronald Reagan, all the way to when Trump was trying to clean house with the deep state and the establishment and uh, went face to face with these people. Uh, this evil, that's number 45. So in between there, you have a bunch of uh, dead, dead air, dead wood, uh, garbage. Uh, and we have we have several decades of uh, non-leadership. And uh, that's what we're dealing with today, friends, with this uh, current cabal. And then, of course, you have all the shenanigans of Hillary Clinton and all the Marxist left progressivism, the disease of leftism, the corruptness of our system and our society here. And so who can be proud? So back to what Steve was talking about earlier. Yeah, well, let's grab that 1776 spirit. You're damn right. We need to grab that 1776 spirit. And we need to make sure we have that spirit going into 2025. Uh, and going into our, our independence here, uh, we're three years, three years off uh, where that will uh, transpire here uh, in 2023 now, 2024, 25 and 2026 is when it all happens, friends, three years from now. But we get past the election, you know, and then 2025 and 2026 is going to be July 4th, 2026. That's the date. We got to have a glass of champagne, Steve, that day, you know. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> celebrate, right? But it is, it is going to be 23, 24, 25, 26. It's July 4th, 2026, in the year of our Lord, 2026. That's got to be a moment of time. Next three years, people. Let's do it. Our friends, thank you for joining me on the mission here. It's time to get involved and get loud, America. America.